Jesus caused quite the stir in Capernaum the first time he visited after beginning his ministry. Matthew 4, verse 13 records, He recently moved to Capernaum, and on the first Sabbath after arriving back in town, he and four of his followers, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, went to the synagogue where Jesus was given the opportunity to teach. And wow, he could forevermore teach. His teaching astonished the congregation. They had never heard anybody teach like he had taught. But suddenly Jesus was interrupted. A man cried out, but the voice wasn't human. It was a snarling, guttural, demonic voice shouted out, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? That's my best demon voice. Art thou come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. The crowd was stunned. They expected a nice service at synagogue, go home and have a picnic. They did not expect to come face to sulfuric face with a demon. Jesus had already amazed the crowd with his teaching. He had amazed them even more, though, with his power. He calmly looked at the man, commanded the demon, hold thy peace and come out of him. And immediately, and if I could snap my fingers, I would, immediately the demon came out. The crowd had never seen a man demonstrate such authority that a demon would obey a human being just because he told it to be quiet and leave. The congregation, boy, they had a lot to talk about over lunch. Later, Jesus gave them even more to talk about. When the service was over, he went to Peter's house and found Peter's mother-in-law was sick with a fever. And yet with a simple touch, Jesus healed her. News quickly spread of this miracle and what happened earlier in the synagogue. Jesus was the talk of the town. That evening, the whole town gathered where Jesus was and brought everybody who was sick or demon-possessed, and Jesus healed them all. But there was at least one paralyzed man in town who may not have been carried to Jesus that evening. This paralytic heard about how Jesus miraculously healed so many in town. He knew he should have been happy for those healed, but as he laid on his bed staring at his lifeless legs, he only felt bitter regret about not being healed himself. His regret increased when he heard Jesus had left town that morning. There would be no healing for him, at least not any time soon. In that bitter moment, he resolved he would not miss another opportunity to be healed the next time Jesus came to town. And that gives us time for one question. What do you think the paralyzed man thought when he found out others were healed, but he was still paralyzed? And while you ruminate over that, we'll be back right after this. Welcome to God's Word for Life Lesson Companion Podcast, brought to you by Word of Flame Curriculum and the Pentecostal Publishing House. This podcast encourages adult disciples to think deeply about God's Word, further develop their personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and make a greater commitment to the purpose and plan of God for their lives. Let's dive into today's lesson and explore what it means to live out God's Word in our lives. Welcome back, God's Word for Life. Hope you're having a wonderful day. You're listening to LJ Harry. I'm your God's Word for Life companion podcast host. Very happy to be with you. And we are taking a look at a brand new series, the summer series. Welcome to summer. Even though it may not be the 21st of June yet, it is summer here. Mark chapter 2, verse 10 gives us our story. But that you may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, Jesus spoke to the sick of the palsy. And our episode today is entitled, Authority to Forgive. After leaving Capernaum, Jesus traveled throughout Galilee, and he preached in their synagogues. He cast out their demons. We learned about that. And finally, Jesus made his way back to Capernaum with his disciples and went home. Maybe a nosy neighbor 
saw him, but somehow somebody spread the news that the miracle worker was back in town. And before long, somebody was knocking on Jesus' door, and then another, and then another, and another, and another, and another, and another, and another, until finally so many people showed up to hear Jesus that the crowd spilled out the door and into the street. It was more packed than standing room only. Anybody else who showed up, they would just have to wait for another time to hear Jesus. They, they could park down the street and stay there, but there was no FM transmitter. There's no way to hear him from the house. And soon somebody came knocking on the door of the paralytic's house. Four of his friends came in. They were excited. They let him know, hey, 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 Jesus is back in town. Come on, come on. Each friend took a corner of the bed and carried him to the house where Jesus was. Man, we're, we're going to get you healed. And when they arrived, the crowd wrapped all the way around the house. Some people peered in the windows. There's no way they're getting anywhere near Jesus. They didn't come near early enough. Whatever disappointment they felt at first turned into determination to get to Jesus no matter what. We're not missing this opportunity. They didn't wait for him to finish teaching and talk to him after service. This was their opportunity to see their friend miraculously healed like so many others. They didn't know how many more opportunities like this they would get. One of them saw the stairs on the side of the house leading up to the roof, and a crazy thought just popped into his mind. Guys, we could we could climb the roof and then lower him down through the roof. Eh, that's desperate. Determined and quite genius. They had to be desperate, though, to come up with that idea. I mean, this is somebody else's house. How, how would you like it if strangers just started tearing shingles off your roof? Which leads me to a question. How do you think the homeowner felt? How do you think the paralyzed friend felt when he realized, oh my word, you guys are going to put me down through somebody else's roof. My insurance will never cover this. That idea sounded crazy, but they went for it anyways. These four men hefted their friend in his bed up to the roof and went to work making a large hole to lower him down through the roof. A typical roof in Israel at that time was flat. Wooden support beams put in place, matted branches laid across the beams, a thick layer of clay piled up on those branches. They would have made quite the ruckus and a major mess digging through all of that. But finally, after they had dug, the hole was large enough for one of them to peer through. And there was Jesus, teaching, smiling, looking up and nodding his head in approval. Maybe even laughing at these four guys who were lowering their friend through a new hole in the roof. You're welcome, homeowner. And they set their friend right there in front of Jesus. Now, this was a first. Nobody had ever expressed that kind of determination and faith to get to Jesus, that they'd rip off somebody else's roof to lower their friend. These men had great faith. And when Jesus saw their faith, he did not immediately heal their friend. No Rather, he spoke something altogether unexpected and yet beautiful to the paralyzed man. First off, Jesus called him son. That had to feel good. And then, to make things better, Jesus said, Thy sins be forgiven thee. That's found in Mark 2, verse 5. Your sins are forgiven. That's a beautiful promise. But Jesus, I'm grateful for that, but I'm not here for forgiveness. I'm, I'm here for healing. We don't know what was going on in his mind or in his heart, but Jesus' actions reveal man's greatest need is not physical healing. It's spiritual healing. He had been bedbound for a long time, but most of all, he needed to be right with God. In fact, his relationship with God was even greater 
than his need to walk. He could have remained paralyzed but still be saved if his sins were forgiven. But what if he had gained everything and he was physically healed, but he lived and died unforgiven? Later, Jesus would ask in Mark chapter 8, What shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? A man's soul is priceless to God. So Jesus dealt with the greatest need first and forgave his sins in response to faith. All of us have needs. Some of us have great needs only God can meet, and God is able. Some of us need healing in our bodies. All of us need healing in our souls that only comes through forgiveness of our sins, and we can bring all our needs to Jesus in faith. He can meet any and every need. As apostolics, being like the apostles in the first churches they started, we believe in, we proclaim, we pray for physical healing. No scripture text in the 39 Old Testament or the 27 New Testament books, no scripture text teaches that Jesus only healed when he physically walked the earth or that healing only occurred while the apostles were alive. Oh, nay, nay, my friend. On the contrary, or as they say in France, au contraire, mon frère. Jesus said in Mark 16, verses 17 to 18, And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. And they're going to lay hands on the sick. They shall recover. Not only does Scripture declare healing as possible, but we also have personal testimonies of being healed. When we need healing in our bodies, we bring that need to Jesus and believe he can heal us. And sometimes that healing will happen immediately. But if it doesn't, we keep asking. We keep seeking. We keep knocking, just as Jesus taught us to, according to Matthew 7, verse 7. May we have that same determination the paralytic and his friends had. Now, that process can be difficult and can be discouraging as we wait for God's healing. But during that interim and that waiting, we pray for more grace to keep looking to God for his touch. Think in your life, what testimonies do you have of God's healing touch? And what testimonies do you have of God giving you grace while you wait for his touch? Maybe in certain circumstances, God has a different plan for us than healing us of a particular issue. Perhaps God has different timing than ours. It's difficult to imagine a scenario in which healing would not be in our best interest. I mean, wouldn't it always? From our perspective, healing is always best. Of course we're supposed to be healed. And yet we know God's ways are higher than our ways. And God knows what he's doing even when we don't. God will give us grace to keep our faith and belief he is still for us and will accomplish his purpose and be glorified even in our affliction. This story in Mark chapter 2 teaches us that our most essential need is salvation. We need to be forgiven of our sins and made alive through the gift of God's Holy Spirit. We must know Jesus and be in right relationship with him. So let's bring all our needs for spiritual healing to Jesus through his grace and our faith. We will be made whole. Now, when Jesus forgave the paralytic sins, that paralytic man immediately felt an inner freedom, a cleansing. He felt something he hadn't felt in a long time. He felt joy. But not everybody there was so happy. Some scribes who were experts in the law of Moses, they were shocked. They dropped their clipboards when Jesus dared to pronounce somebody else's sins were forgiven. In their hearts, they never said it out loud, but they questioned in their hearts, why does this man speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? Jesus was presuming to do what only God himself could do. Exactly. You got it, guys. That's right. 
And yet they thought, how dare this blasphemer presume to act in God's stead and try to forgive? Who does he think he is? Well, he knows he is God who came in flesh. But they didn't know. And Jesus knew what they were thinking, and he addressed their thought head on. Scripture says immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, why? Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Jesus knew why they were thinking what they were thinking. The Word of God teaches no mere man can forgive sins. That's God's prerogative and his alone. The scribes were right about that, but they were wrong that Jesus was blaspheming because they did not understand who Jesus really was. They thought he was just a man, a wicked one at that. I thought he was just a man who dared to claim the attributes and the nature of God. They didn't understand that he was the Son of God, God in human flesh, who exercised all the authority of Almighty God. Jesus also knew they wouldn't believe the paralytic sins were forgiven, so he worked another miracle, all for the glory of God. Jesus proposed a very simple test. He asked, okay, is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, your sins be forgiven, or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk? But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, he saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, take up thy bed, and go thy way into thine house. Mark 2, verses 9 through 11. The crowd gasped. Right before their very eyes, the paralytic, now the former paralytic, stood up. Then he did exactly what Jesus commanded him to do. Immediately he rose, took up the bed, and went forth before them all. He might have wanted to stay and celebrate with Jesus and his friends, but if the one who just healed you tells you to get up and leave, you get up and leave. But I don't think he calmly walked out. He likely leapt and joyfully headed out the door and headed toward home, and as he walked away rejoicing, he heard voices in the house raised in praise to God. The crowd was amazed and glorified God. They had never seen anything quite like that. Put yourself right there beside them. How would you have responded if you were in that crowd? This amazing miracle shows us Jesus was not just a man, but was God revealed in flesh. Scripture testifies to the deity of Jesus in two main ways, by direct statements that testify Jesus was God in flesh and by examples of Jesus doing or saying what only God could do or say. In the case of the paralytic, we see Jesus doing and saying something only God could do or say. If Jesus had just healed the man, that would not necessarily prove he was God in flesh because God can use us to lay hands on somebody and bring healing, but that doesn't mean we are God. In this remarkable story, Jesus forgave the man's sins and healed him of his paralysis. The man's physical healing helped prove his spiritual healing, and it all confirmed Jesus' deity. He has the power to forgive, not just as a man, but as God in flesh. And thank God. Jesus is still forgiving sins today. Acts 5 verse 31 tells us Jesus is seated in heaven at the right hand of God, meaning he is in the place of supreme authority to be a prince and a savior for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Jesus made forgiveness of sins possible through his death on Calvary, and he paid the penalty for our sins, and through his resurrection and ascension to heaven, we have hope. Forgiveness becomes a reality for us when we turn to Jesus as our Lord and Savior through faith and repentance and baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus, where we call on his name in baptism and trust that Jesus will forgive our sins just as he forgave the man in Mark chapter 2. 
Of course, forgiveness is not just a one-time experience. Forgiveness happens every day, every time we repent. Repentance is not just a one-time act. Until Jesus returns and we're transformed to be like him, we are liable to still sin even as we walk with God in a life of holiness. When we inevitably fall short of the glory of God and his perfect standard, let's be thankful we can turn back to Jesus and be forgiven again. Let's never take his mercy and grace for granted. But when we need forgiveness, we are invited to come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Hebrews 4 verse 16. He freely offers mercy and grace to those who have faith like him, just like he did for the paralytic. Here we go. One more question. Is it easier to believe God for physical healing or spiritual healing? And why do you think that's the case? Okay, we wrap this up. It must have been a celebration the former paralytic and his friends had later that day. They probably laughed at what they had done, maybe even got a little bit scared that the insurance company was going to call. Man, bro, we tore up that roof to get you to Jesus. That's, wow. Well, now the homeowner wants us to help repair the roof that we had torn up to get you to Jesus. Now, whether that happened, we don't know. But if it did, the former paralytic was thrilled to walk with his friends to go repair that roof. Their determination, their desperation to get to Jesus paid off in more than one way. He received a physical healing, which at first caused him to seek out Jesus, and he received something much more significant, much more powerful, much more lasting, spiritual healing when Jesus forgave his sins. He just wanted to walk physically, but now he could walk with the Lord spiritually. He was restored in body and soul. We learn so much from this very rich story. Physical healing is possible through Jesus. We should pray for people to be healed in their bodies, but spiritual healing is even more important. It should be our priority. Ideally, we'll experience both like the paralytic did, but if we remain unhealed physically, may God ever give us the grace to be grateful to receive what we need most and still make our priority our relationship with God. We also get a glimpse close to the beginning of Jesus' ministry that Jesus was not just a man. He was God in human flesh. Jesus used physical healing as proof he was not just a mere man, but he was able to forgive sins. He had the authority to forgive sins. When we're healed physically, glory to God. And when we are not healed physically, glory to God. Let's be thankful we're saved and exalt Jesus as God in human flesh. When we read the story, we likely tend to see ourselves in the role of the paralytic in need of healing. But we should also seek to fulfill the role of the friends. The paralytic would remain paralyzed as he was, unhealed, unforgiven, if he didn't have somebody to bring him to Jesus. Jesus wants to use us to bring others to him. It might be inconvenient and require us to do things we might not be inclined to do. I doubt these four friends were inclined to dig holes in somebody else's roof, but what joy they experienced in being a part, an instrumental part in their friend being healed and forgiven. The former paralytic never forgot what they had done for him. And the remaining time we have, the waning time we have as we wait for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, may God use us greatly to bring others to Jesus for healing, both spiritually and physically. I'd like us to pray for God to give us faith to believe Him for whatever we need, and then God to use us to help others receive the miracles they need. Let's pray. In the name of Jesus, give us faith, Lord. 
You're able to do anything. You are almighty. You are the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. You're able to do and heal anything. I pray, God, you would work healing miracles, work miracles in the lives of your people to provide for them, to minister to them. Lord Jesus, to protect them, I thank you for all you're going to do. I ask you, Lord, use us. Use us to pray for others and work miracles through us, Lord. I pray you would work wonders through your church, that you confirm your word with signs following. We give praise and thanks to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, thanks so much to God's Word for Life listeners. Be sure to subscribe, like, follow, share. Let everybody know about God's Word for Life. Thanks to you and your listening and your sharing. We are just about to 150,000 downloads. We're at 148 and change. So excited, very excited to see everybody who is joining us on this God's Word for Life journey as we continue to walk closer with Jesus through God's Word for Life. Head over to Pentecostal Publishing. You can pick up some great resources there. You can pick up all the curriculum for God's Word for Life as well as other resources, Bibles, Bible studies, music, books, you name it, we've got it. And you can enjoy all of those there on PentecostalPublishing.com, and if you use promo code GWFL, the number 10, GWFL10, you can save 10% off your entire order. That's pretty amazing. So head over to PentecostalPublishing.com. Next week, by the time we come back together, I trust we'll be over 150,000 downloads, and we will continue this series on the power of forgiveness Our next episode is entitled, Go and Sin No More. It's one of my favorite stories in the book of John about a woman who thought for sure she would be judged, but she came in contact with the great God of all mercy. Looking forward to sharing that episode with you and always look forward to learning and living out God's Word for Life. Thank you for listening to God's Word for Life Lesson Companion Podcast where together we explore what it means to live out God's Word in our lives. If you haven't yet, make sure to subscribe to this podcast. And if you are looking for other Bible study tools and resources to encourage you in your walk with God, visit us today at PentecostalPublishing.com.